John chapter 19, verse 38 to verse 42. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Well, this morning, as we look at these verses, I want us to focus especially on these two really fascinating followers of Jesus. Two men that we're not told a great deal about, but maybe as we try and piece some of the clues together, maybe some of you watching will see something of yourself in these two men. You see, these men are men of faith. And I want us to see this morning that the faith of these two men goes through different stages. It starts out as hidden faith, and it transforms itself into bold faith. And I want us to see that journey. But before we come to see the faith of these men, I want us to just see the story as John presents it to us in chapter 19. At verse 38, we meet the first of these men. We see in verse 38, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Well, who was Joseph? Well, Arimathea, that's simply the name of the town that he came from. And we know from some of the other gospel writers, Mark and Luke, that Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, that's just a fancy word for the Jewish council. I mean, if you were to imagine something that's a mixture between a parliament and a court, that's the Sanhedrin. They were powerful people. They weren't quite as powerful as the Romans, of course, but even still, the Sanhedrin was a very, very important body. You couldn't be a member of the Sanhedrin unless you were really, really influential. And Mark tells us that Joseph was a respected member of the council. Now maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. We've come across this council before, haven't we? We've heard about the Sanhedrin. And you're right. It's the Sanhedrin that put Jesus on trial. And of course, Jesus' trial was crooked from start to finish. And that's why Luke tells us in his gospel, chapter 23, he makes sure that we understand Joseph did not consent to what his colleagues did. Anyway, the fact that Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin explains why he is able to get an appointment with Pilate. And so he comes to Pilate and he asks for Jesus' body. Ordinarily at this point, you would expect Pilate to say, no. You see, Jesus was crucified for what from the Roman point of view was just about the most 
heinous crime you could possibly imagine. Jesus was crucified for sedition or for rebellion. And normally whenever someone was a rebel, they would leave the body hanging on the cross. The body would be left as a warning to other people. Usually they'd leave it there for days. The vultures would come along and the vultures would rip the body to shreds. But Joseph takes this courageous step. He asks if he can have Jesus' body. And Pilate says, yes. Maybe it's because Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. Maybe it's because Pilate was still having regrets about the mistake that he had made, but he says yes. And then in verse 39, we meet the second man. And that man is Nicodemus. Now, we've met Nicodemus before, so let me remind you of what we've seen of Nicodemus so far. John chapter 3, which we read, we see that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. John chapter 7, which we didn't read this morning, it looks like Nicodemus was probably a member of the Sanhedrin. And notice in verse 39, Nicodemus brings a mixture of myrrh and aloes. In verse 40, Joseph and Nicodemus take Jesus' body and notice the lovely, affectionate way that they care for it. They wrap it carefully. They use these spices to make the body as fragrant as they possibly can. I mean, basically, it's how you would expect a husband to care for the body of his wife. And then in verse 41 and 42, there's a tomb nearby. And so they bury Jesus' body. So that's the story. That's that's what happens as John describes it to us. But now, what I want us to do is to think about the faith of these two men. And there are three headings that I want us to see this morning. The first one is hidden faith. Hidden faith. And I want you to notice how John describes Joseph in verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Now it's worth pointing out that Joseph was in an especially vulnerable position. See these men who despise Jesus, these men who have hated him so much that they've put him to death, these are men that Joseph has to work with. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. They're his colleagues. I'm guessing that as well as that, they're probably men that Joseph has some sort of business dealings with. And it may well be, you think of the families that we have in our own Doyle, it may well be that some of the members of the Sanhedrin were even part of Joseph's family. And so you can understand why Joseph is something of a secret disciple. Now, I'm not saying here that Joseph was right to be a secret disciple. And these verses, they're not telling us that either. But what I am saying is that we should be very, very slow to criticise Joseph when we haven't had to walk in his shoes. Think about the consequences of Joseph coming out as a follower of Jesus. He could lose his family. He could lose his business. He could be ostracised by his friends. 
In fact, John chapter 12 and verse 42 gives us an insight into the consequences Joseph might have faced. Many among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. So you can understand why Joseph was scared, especially whenever he sees how these people hate Jesus so much they're willing to have him killed. You can understand why he's a secret disciple. And then Nicodemus. Nicodemus is in a similar boat. Notice how John describes him in verse 39. He is the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. You think to yourself, well, why does John tell us what time it was when Nicodemus came to visit? Surely that is by the way. Well, we saw back in chapter 3, and we looked at that in more detail a number of years ago, we saw Nicodemus probably came at night because he didn't want to be seen. And as we saw when we looked at that chapter, John takes that simple fact and he uses it to paint a picture. John tells us this is a man who's in darkness. A man who is looking for the light. He has come to the right place for the light. But until he actually follows Jesus for himself, he's in darkness. That's back in chapter 3. In chapter 7, we do see a few more rays of light dawning on this man. In chapter 7, the Pharisees are plotting against Jesus and Nicodemus speaks up. Now, he doesn't come straight out and say that he's a follower. But what he does do is he argues that Jesus deserves a fair trial. You can see him coming towards the light. So we've got these two men, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. Up until this point, they are both followers of Jesus, but they're not yet ready to put everything on the line. They have got hidden faith. And I wonder, for some of you watching this this morning, could we say the same about you? You know, one of the ways that our services are so, so different these days is that I have got no idea whatsoever who is watching at home. Maybe you are like Nicodemus. Maybe you want to know more about Jesus, but you don't want to be seen walking into a church. Maybe these online services, they've been great for you because here is your chance to find out more about Jesus and nobody needs to know what you're up to. Well, first of all, let me say, if that's the case, I'm really, really pleased you're watching our services. I think that's great. Let me say as well, I know that some people have very difficult situations and I know that some people need more time than others in order to to step into the light but what I do want you to see is a point that John has made the whole way through his gospel it is better to be in the light than in the darkness here's how Matthew puts it in his gospel uh, Jesus says verse 33 whoever disowns me before men I will disown him before my father in heaven. 
But notice what Jesus says just before that in verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And I want to encourage you, if you are someone who has hidden faith, I can't promise you that it's going to be easy coming into the light. But I can guarantee you it will be better to come into the light. I can promise you that it will be more honouring and more fitting for our Saviour Jesus if you come out as a disciple of his. I can guarantee you that Christ will honour the commitment and the public step that you take. Surely, surely, nothing could possibly be better than coming into the light as a follower of Jesus. You know, God willing, we're going to be meeting together soon. Would that not be a wonderful opportunity for you to come along and to step into the light? I'm not denying it's going to be costly, but surely, surely it's going to be completely and utterly worth it. I maybe don't know you. It's possible that your hidden faith is real faith. I hope that's the case. But real faith can't stay hidden forever. These men had hidden faith. Second thing I want us to see is the next stage in these men's journey, and that is bold faith. Bold faith. Well, there's certainly nothing secret about what these men do now. You can be absolutely sure that as Joseph and Nicodemus went to the cross, the world and his wife saw exactly what they were doing. And even you know the sheer amount of spices that Nicodemus brought in, in verse 39, he brought 75 pounds or 35 kilos. I mean, you can't carry that in a secret way, can you? Even carrying that amount of spice or getting your servants to carry that amount of spice is really, really conspicuous. And so from this moment on, there is no going back. Joseph and Nicodemus are now public followers of Jesus. And you know, as I read this passage, I think, wow, there is something absolutely amazing about that. I mean, just think of all the times during Jesus' time on earth, of all the times when you might consider publicly coming out as one of his followers, when would you choose? Surely it would be the very height of his popularity. Surely it would be maybe one of his sermons, the Sermon on the Mount maybe, or, or one of his sermons when he had hundreds or even thousands of people flocking to hear him. Surely it would be after one of his miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. Surely it would be maybe one of those moments when his enemies came along and they, they tried to lay a trap for him. They asked him a trick question and Jesus just turned the tables completely. Jesus blew them away with his wisdom. Surely that is the time to publicly come out and say, I am a follower of this man. You know, it's human nature, isn't it? 
if we are going to follow someone, we do it when we know that we've got the winning side. I'll give you an example of that. I'm sure that most of us are at least somewhat familiar with the French resistance during World War II. Really, really brave men and women. Men and women who risked everything in fighting against the Germans. But one of the things that happened during the war was by about 1944 or so, whenever it was really, really obvious the Germans were going to lose, whenever it was obvious it was only a matter of time until they were driven out of France, was you had loads and loads of people setting themselves up as resistance fighters. And some of those people, not all of them by any means, but some of them actually didn't do terribly much that was in any way useful. But once the Germans were gone, many of those johnny come the least, they would talk about how brave they'd been, how they had been part of the resistance, fighting against the Germans. And on the other hand, you had those people who'd been risking their lives the whole way through the occupation. And they had a really reasonable question to ask. Where were you in 1941 and 1942? Where were you when it seemed hopeless? Where were you when it seemed like a lost cause? Well, those are not questions you could ask of Joseph and Nicodemus. I marvel at the courage of these men. Where was Joseph when it seemed absolutely hopeless? Where was Nicodemus when it seemed to be a lost cause? Right here, at the cross, putting themselves in danger, standing in the spotlight and saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, who does that? You know, obviously, there's an election going on in America at the moment. Sometimes whenever a candidate makes a really huge gaffe, the newspapers have a phrase they use. They say, he's dead and buried. But that's metaphoric, isn't it? It's picture language. But here's Jesus, and he is actually dead and buried. And yet these two men, in spite of that, are pinning everything on Jesus and on his cause. I mean, you really have to marvel, don't you? It's incredible faith. It's bold faith. Maybe you wonder, did these men know what was going to happen next? Did they know that Jesus would rise from the grave? The simple answer is, I don't know what they knew. But I do know that neither of these men needed all of the answers. These men knew enough and they were prepared to act on what they'd seen. They knew that Jesus had started a work of God. And they knew that no matter what happened, even if Jesus was dead and buried, they knew that God would see it through. And these men knew, I must nail my colours to the mast. I must declare myself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I must have bold faith. And not only did these men have incredible faith, but they give us 
an incredible challenge, don't they? And so let me ask you this morning, will you follow in their footsteps? Will you pledge yourself publicly to Jesus? Will you place your faith in him just like these men did, knowing that whatever the consequences are, Jesus is going to finish the work that he has started? Will you take Jesus at his word whenever he tells you that as scared as you may be, you're not going to regret stepping from the darkness into the light? Maybe you are a believer, but maybe you've been keeping your faith quiet. Will you come out and boldly proclaim yourself to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Think of these two men, Joseph and Nicodemus. Don't know how much longer they lived for, but imagine them 20, 30 years later. Do you think they look back on this day when they publicly declared themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ? Do you think they look back and do you think they thought to themselves, I wish I hadn't done that? Surely not. And surely it won't be true of you either. These men challenge us to have bold faith. So we've seen hidden faith. We've seen bold faith. Thirdly and finally, we see the secret of their faith. The secret of their faith. How is it that these men can be secret and, dare I say, timid? followers of Jesus for several years and then suddenly even as the disciples scarper they're about the two most courageous men you can possibly imagine. What changed them? What just happened to these two men? Well we know exactly what just happened don't we? Because we've been looking at it over the last number of weeks. The cross happened these two men surely they have seen Jesus on that cross they've seen his dignity they've seen his trust in his father even as the excruciating coils of death tighten all around him they have seen Jesus steely determination to bear this agony and see his job through They've seen Jesus, even in the midst of this searing pain he's going through, looking beyond himself and caring for his mother. They've seen Jesus turning to the man on the cross beside him and offering hope. In fact, not just hope, but certainty to this dying man. These two men have seen the perfect, flawless, spotless Passover lamb bearing their sins on the cross and it's transformed them and that surely is the big lesson of this passage whether you are a secret believer who needs to come into the light but you're scared or you're a struggling believer who needs to rediscover your vibrancy Or you want to find out more about Jesus, but you're just not entirely sure that it's worth buying into. What's the secret? You look to the cross. 
you look at Jesus. You see Jesus dying in the place of his people. You see Jesus taking their sins upon his back. And then you look to the next passage. The passage that we will see next Lord's Day. You look at Jesus rising in triumph from the grave. You see our Saviour putting death itself to death. This week, as you plod along, or as you face a crisis of confidence, or as you look for opportunities to speak about Jesus, or as you long to become more bold or more vibrant, do what Nicodemus did. Do what Joseph did. Look to the cross of Jesus Christ and you will find that the Holy Spirit will transform you and will embolden you. Let's pray.